Hey, Matt. Hey, Peter. How is it going? Oh, oh, it's it's going. Today's a that's the start of a new week. Uh, we're <laughs> recording this on a Monday morning, and um, family is switching gears. We're finally out of the longest spring break we've ever had, and <laughs> kids have you know assignments to do at home from their school now. And uh, yeah, I'm sitting here at my desk figuring out what my goals of the week are. Nice. Yeah. How about you? I uh, I just send out my investor update for March. A little delayed, but I saw. That. I don't know. <laughs> I need to do that this week too. <laughs> I, I envied your delivery there, bright and early on a Monday. Here's my update. <laughs> early well, it wasn't that early here. Well, yeah, but early enough in the month that it's. Uh, very timely and uh, just great, great punctuality there. And yeah, yeah, I mean, it's definitely still relevant. And as you may have seen, my MRR is up. Was it 45%? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good monthly growth, huh? Solid, man. Solid. <laughs> I, we, can, we can knock these percentages out of the park uh, yeah. in, in these early days. So we might as well take advantage of that. Yeah, I might as well make... <laughs> Make sure that you mention that in your report. Yep, yep. 98% growth this week. <laughs> yeah. And user growth was, I think, 17 point something percent. <laughs> killer, killer. Yeah. But yeah, it was good to get it out um, this week. Uh, Bjorn is taking the week off to kind of for Easter in Denmark. Oh, okay. And uh, it's kind of nice. It gives me some more... It gives me definitely a more loose schedule than usually. And then it's just for me right now, it's a good time to basically focus my time on more strategic things. So like last week was wrapping up the Q2 goals for the quarter and this week like writing the March investor update. And then I have some some partner meetings this week as well. So it's just, it's nice for me to kind of take a, not a slow week, but like a different week. And I think it's more the kind of week where I, you know, go for a long walk and think about what to say in a meeting or like if we have the right plan and all these like big strategic questions. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that actually feels good and it feels timely. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So I'm just going to roll into my update yeah, now, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So basically we were, if we hadn't, if this week hadn't been like Easter holiday week, we would have started a new shape up cycle. So that's going to start on next Monday um, instead. And on the product side, the next big thing we're going to tackle is team access, which we don't really have at the moment. So the only way for teams to use branch right now, if they want to use the same account is to share a login, which is obviously not ideal. Um, But so far it works for the teams that are using it now. Um, and you know, with a tool like branch, it's fine. Cause most of the time you just go in and, and configure stuff. And then, I mean, unless you, your builds are failing, you won't typically have to go in there. Um, and if you have push notifications and Slack notifications and stuff, every time you deploy, like you'll get a notification there. So there's not a lot of need necessarily to lock into the tool. And especially if one developer sets it off up for a, all the rest of them like 
typically like team access isn't super critical, but it's definitely something we want now. And part of Q2 where we kind of decided to double down on, on the agency side, um, we just decided that that's basically part of the table stakes feature set for being an agency tool. And even though people aren't like necessarily asking us for team access right now, um, you know, typically we would wait with the decision to build something like that until people were like continuously asking for it. But with team access, I think if we're talking to an agency and they, and we're telling them we're building a tool for agencies and then they realize that we don't have team access yet, that's basically the opposite. So it's like saying we're actually not for agencies because it just sends the wrong signal. So I think signaling wise, it's good to have that feature. Yeah. So yeah, that's definitely next. Um, we spent some time last week shaping that and I'm good. I'm glad that we started doing that early because man, you can probably imagine this and everyone knows this, but team access, like building in organizations and teams and all this stuff, it's just such a can of worms. Oh yeah. Yep. And it's really, uh, yeah, it's really a balancing act because we already, you know, so first of all, like in hindsight, you should just build this stuff from the beginning and you should actually just speculate how it's going to work and you should build it as flexible as possible. I totally understand. And I should have done that as well, but it's kind of the thing that always happens on, <laughs> on real projects is, you know, you have this hobby project and you're hacking on it and then it works and you get excited and you share it on Twitter and then it takes off a little bit on Twitter and you get excited and you work on it more. And then all of a sudden you're like part of tiny seed, you've got an investment and <laughs> this is how it people are starting to use it and you find hacks for when people need team access because you don't have time to build it. And you don't want to like risk like taking down the tool if you have to run like some sort of weird migration no, to no. Yeah. change everything model wise. And then, <laughs> you know, it it just happens step by step. You know, there's never a decision where I was like, ah, oh, we're not going to build Team Access now. We can build it later. But it's just like thing, life just happens. Just snowballs, man. Yeah. And, you know, it's not going to be easier in the future to add it. <laughs> so we might as well just, I guess, tackle it now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. I th- but then obl- it's a that it's Sorry. also no. I was just say it's also a tricky feature because anytime you're dealing with team access, implied in that is so many first user experiences and end user experiences and deliveries and screens and just like the whole. I mean, the whole experience of inviting a teammate, having them join, and having it make sense to everybody involved is <laughs> it's a lot. Like it's a lot more than it yeah. sounds when you just say team access. Yeah, yeah, it sounds so easy. I knew it wasn't going to be easy, but like the problems I kind of expected us to have was not the ones that we identified during the shape up process, um, or the shaping process. Um, but yeah, just to mention a few examples of like things where we kind of you know were banging our heads against the wall a little bit. Like first of all, um authentication in branch is based on OAuth with GitHub, Bitbucket, or GitLab, which makes sense because it's how, like, we need you to authenticate your GitHub account in order to list your repositories and in order to send API requests to GitHub. So we might as well just use that for authentication. So when you log in, you connect your GitHub account, and that's also how you log in and sign up. Um, 
so that's always going to be tied to a user and not a team Hmm. so you know then of course we can create a team or an organization for that user when they sign up with their github account but then you know they'll invite other people to that team and then what you know then it's just like now all the decisions needs to be made like when the next person creates a project is he using his own github provider like we call them providers in the back end mm-hmm. or is he using the guy who created the team's provider yep he should probably use his use his own but then like what if he leaves the company then like now this project was set up with his provider like who now owns the project like and what if he then goes to another agency um and get access to like a bunch of new github projects like would then would this project then technically like have an api key for github that would have access to like other people it's just really messy yeah so i think we found like pretty solid solutions for like how we could do this without risking that because <laughs> definitely we don't want to risk that um and then another thing um we ran into was billing so right now we have freemium and you get 20 free builds when you sign up. But like, is that 20 free builds for like across all your teams? Or do you get, you could, do you get 20 free builds every time you create a team? Or like, what if you're three people and you one like one, each of you creates a team and invite the other people. Do you now have three teams with, and do you have 60 builds in total or, so let, let me, let me, I'll, <laughs> it's, it's true. I'm, I'm sure you're already thinking this, but my question would be, you've got agencies on the radar that are going to need this, correct? We talked about this in a prior episode. Yeah. yeah. So the good news is you're going to get some signal from like two or three of these at once where you answer, hopefully they help you answer all these questions. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Fortunately, but it's it's hard if you're going to make a bunch of assumptions at first. Um, you can scope things a little bit, but yeah, yeah. I mean, we I think we have solved most of these problems now. Mm, okay, at least we think for now. Like we'll probably encounter more, um, but we definitely try to spend a lot of time like on the on the you know on the bottom of the hill chart mm. last week so we could spend more time just building it and because there's a lot of work in migrations and stuff and and basically you know i had conversations with some agencies last week and we've had conversations with agencies in the past that needed team access and we kind of have a good idea about hey how agencies work like me having work with them with like through wp pusher and branch for now five years mm-hmm. and also um, for the past, I think two or three years, Bjorn having worked in an agency himself, so we I think we have we know already like how this probably should work. But I think the th- one of the things we were talking about last week was like we're tr- like right now we're trying to solve the problem based on our like we have this problem because of the way our pricing model is, and again like we have found a solution for it, but. And I think it's pretty simple, but like, like we just need to keep in mind, we could also change our pricing model. Like maybe there's a different pricing model that makes more sense. And it's just, it's just hard to know, like, should we come up with a more complicated team plan or like team 
uh, feature because we want to support our current pricing model or do we want to go with a simpler team access solution and then change our pricing model to something that makes more sense based on what we're doing now it's just a lot of decisions you have to make like you think you're just building team access but like now you have to think about like your authentication with github bitbucket and gitlab and you have to think about the way your billing works and your pricing and yeah and that's kind of what i mean when i say it's a can of worms like you can kind of just keep going (laughs) oh for sure yeah yep yeah yeah um it's it's funny like uh the greatest number of like unit tests for features or for like a single feature is totally the invitation or referral system yeah and that's another part i didn't even mention but that we shaped out as well yeah like like it it was blew my mind the number of tests required to get all that right and to know that it's going to stay right it's like oh if somebody invites somebody else but the other person accepts the invitation using an oauth login as opposed with to a different email with a different email right Except, yeah you know oh my gosh like do and then you just have to make like a, a product decision do we yeah what do we do with the old invitation is it still valid do we invalidate it do we mm-hmm. do we try to reconcile this with the fact that they followed the link or do we assume that the per you know whoever followed the link might not be them and you don't want to drop somebody into an organization they're not authorized to use you know so no nope. who you know um that's yeah that's fun um, and it's even worse. Like I think back when GitHub introduced their OAuth feature, I don't think they had email confirmations from, I think I heard someone say this. So like in theory, like if I had an invite for branch for like whatever email, and then I didn't have a GitHub account, like someone else could sign up for GitHub using my email oh. and not, not, uh, you know, not verify that they actually own that email and then you know sign up for branch and then basically claiming that invite i think some people ran into that like years ago it was early on and i think it's i'm i know it's fixed now but i'm pretty sure that was a thing yeah i mean this all said like i'm i was just looking at my stats and there were eight invitations sent from one team member to another in march which you know is not a lot but it does feel really good. It's a great validation that somebody, yeah, for sure. You know, a founder is willing to invite their co-founder to join their summit account. Yeah, that, that just tells you so much. So I love, yeah, that yeah. I have it, but it was, um, I did it before I really had to, for sure. But again, like people just expect to have group access to things like this. So, yeah, yeah. I wish the yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I think that's going to be good. And I think another thing we're doing is we're basically taking this as an opportunity to do a big refactor of how the code is structured, because this is a significant change anyway. Um, and I have some basically ideas for how I would like the code base to look going forward. And I think this is like a nice cutting point or cutting off point for basically do some of the open heart surgery required to move those files and change the structure. Stuff that'll make the app more testable and more flexible going forward. So 
Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. I hope we get it done in the three weeks that we, you know, that's basically in our shape up cycle. But I'm also worried that it might take take a little longer. But I think we'll try to see if we can cram it into three weeks. I I think you'll get a version in in three weeks, just given how much prep work you've done. I, th- I think you yeah. Can. Yeah, we definitely have some good notes yeah. to start. If from. it was like start thinking about it and deliver, <laughs> <laughs> so. But uh, yeah, I mean that's the whole point. You've you're shaping it up first, so yeah, yep. yeah. And I really like that approach. Like it's been serving us well. So this is our third or fourth shape up cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so far it's been going really good with that structure. Cool. Yeah, so on the manager side, I'm really starting to ramp up the partnership stuff and getting in touch with agencies. I have about, I think, 10 to 12, not agencies, sorry, hosting companies. I have about 10 to 12 of them that I'm, I'm that I either have like had talks with or am trying to talk more with. And um, yeah, so what I talked about last one that I last on the last episode was that I, I kind of have a new strategy now. So I'm thinking more of the hosting companies, at least for now, like I'm actually more focused on the people I know at the hosting companies and working with them to basically find the right agencies to, to try out branch and to work with them to build like the right tool for them. Um, so almost like a customer development thing. And then, think less about like how to get these big glorified like official partnerships which we can always do later on if we have a strong product user fit with their Mm. agency customers um and it just makes it more approachable and and it's just a it's a smaller ask in general from uh, from what i was trying to do in the past so yeah i'm kind of excited about that and i already started last week having meetings with different hosting companies and I have some more this week and it just this is actually something I really like and it's really now it's really clear to me why I brought on Bjorn to basically have my back on the development side and then me being able to you know um, spend a lot of my brain (laughs) energy on talking to agencies and hosting companies and be confident that the product is doing its thing and if I need stuff to change on the product, it's not, um, there's someone there that can help. Um, and I think that's a solo founder or like when you're just one person, you're always painfully aware when you're having meetings that everything you promise someone is like something you have to sit down to after the meeting. Yep. So just the fact that there are like more than one person who can take that work is just really nice. For sure. Yeah. Nice. So, so far, so good. Um, feel like that's a pretty solid start on Q2, and I feel pretty good about things. And with the whole like virus thing, I think I freaked out really early on. Mm. And like most of my freak out has kind of like passed now. So, I mean, I'm really thankful that no one I know has gotten sick yet. Um, and everyone is safe and healthy. Um, I'm sure my mental state would change if someone i knew got really sick obviously Mm -hmm. um but yeah for now like it's not really i'm able to focus and 
I feel optimistic and and pretty good about things. Good, good, fra- good state of mind. Because um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a good foundation for everything else. That's good. Glad to hear. Yeah. So I think that's probably me this week. Cool. How about you? Uh, (laughs) You were working on your weekly goals. I was because this is not a week that I can take. Um, I can't, I can't, I can't treat this week like a, um, like a maker week where I don't have to deliver stuff, (laughs) meaning, (laughs) you know, a maker week where I just get into code and get in the zone. And that's the whole goal. I do have a lot of maker time ahead of me, which is great, but I'm going (laughs) to, I'm going to end up using all of it. Um, and I, and it's, I know how I'm going to use it. So I guess maybe a better way of saying all that is I'm not going into any of my focus time unsure about how I'm going to use it. It's, um, it's all pretty much spoken for already, uh, this week. Yeah which at least I have it, you know, allocated. Um, so that's, that's good. But yeah, I've got, got a lot of, um, commitments that are, uh, due and none of them are super scary. They're all just due. So, um, you know, mixture of personal and professional things, mostly professional, uh, commitments. I've got actually a blog post, um, that's going to be coming out in, um, in a few weeks with a pretty, uh, well-known analytics provider that I committed to, to writing. Nice. I, yeah. And so I know the, you know, I know the general concept of the post and I know, you know, what I want it to be about. I just have not written more than, you know, 20 words so far. So I've got to write that. Uh, so I want to get a draft done of that this week. I also committed to doing a webinar with Chargebee this week. Oh, cool. Yeah. They, they had, they're doing a series for finance teams, just given the current situation and challenges. And, um, I shared it on LinkedIn. That's, that seems like the place for this kind of thing and (laughs) where where you can find folks like that. Not so much Twitter, um, but finance teams on LinkedIn is a thing. So I'm going to be speaking about reforecasting, um, basically taking your current forecast, potentially throwing it out the window or maybe putting it to the side. (laughs) How do we reforecast, update our forecast for the calendar year? given what's just happened and uh it's kind of that's interesting it is and it's what's what's interesting for me is not just getting the opportunity to speak which is great and i appreciate charge b extending that opportunity to me but it's the at least that's a thing meaning at least people are thinking about this need to update their forecasts and that's a good sign that the market you know the market's thinking about forecasting a lot the market is aware that a forecast is not a one and done exercise. Yeah. Um, And obviously this is, this is an extreme example of that, but I think it, it really is anytime your assumptions are challenged or change, you should update your forecast. And that's what, that's what summit's really good at. Right. So I'm, uh, you should share this on Twitter as well. I will be, I will be, I, um, I had some, a little anxiety over the weekend, just wondering if I was even going to be able to have the time to deliver something, you know, excellent by, by Thursday. But I had some thoughts. I think I know what I'm going to talk about and I'm, I'm going to reuse the investment, you know, of creativity and time and thought in the blog post for the webinar and vice versa. So I'm going to nice. Yeah. Treat that as two formats for the same topic. 
and yeah. deliver differently. I think that's a lot smarter than just. Yeah. Know, yeah. Good leverage. Right. And then um, something I started working on last week, kind of definitely back burner, but something I'm really excited to get out is um, I stumbled across uh, Patrick Campbell's microconf talk. And I don't even remember the year that was on it. I want to say it was as far back as 2015, maybe it was 2016. He gave a really great talk. Um, and part of that talk this, this came up in the MicroConf Connect Slack. That's where I found it. Actually, that's how I stumbled across it. Somebody posted it. And Patrick Campbell of um, ProfitWell was sharing how to survey a customer base or a user base. That's a better way to say it, A user base for what features are most important to them and least important. And basically how to craft a premium offering, which is perfect <laughs> for the stage I'm at. Um, yeah, you, you may find it valuable as well, but it's basically yeah, yeah. It's um, it's called a max diff, a max diff survey or a max diff analysis, and it forces respondents to basically vote for what you show them a set of four or five features, and they can only designate one feature as the most important and one feature as the least important out of that set, and it kind of shuffles the deck each time. Mm-hmm. And so you collect this insight across, you know, however many users, and then you come back with like strongly opinionated feedback of what different users find most important and least important because humans are just the, the, the premises. Humans are not good at really deciding things that are just kind of a little bit more important than something else <laughs> and just a little bit less important than something else. But we, most of us do feel strongly one way or the other about what is most important and least. So humans do feel strongly though about what's most important and what's least. And so I'm going to send that out to get a better read on the premium offering that has been in the works for a while now, but is coming together, I have to say. And then there's another analysis, which is called the, uh, which he mentions on there and hopefully I get the name right. It's the Van Westendorp, which I'm not, saying very American, (laughs) very Americanized uh, pronunciation of it, but the Van Westendorp um, survey, which is just, I think it's four or five, five questions at most that are uh, short answer. The user can put in whatever they want to, but they're leading questions that say, what price point would Summit, in this case, at what price point would Summit feel too expensive? At what price Mm. point would Summit feel so inexpensive that it that you don't trust it yeah and then what price point does it feel like a deal like you 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 really feel like you got a deal and then at what price point does it feel like a stretch but probably worth it and Hmm. obviously you're asking people to be very honest here but if you do this and you get those four questions answered across enough people you can actually draw a pricing window that shows you know, you've got your lower bound and your upper bound. It's definitely not going to be the one where it's too expensive and it's not going to be the one where it's too cheap. But then you get all these Goldilocks numbers in between. Yeah. So I'm excited about running that. Because, I think I heard about that before. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about running that. Um, and Are you going to run it on your existing customers or on your email list? or? Uh, yeah, those are, well, because of freemium, those are one and the same. I've got everybody... Mm. 
everybody every free user is an intercom right now mm. so i've got over 800 um email addresses that i can run it on at this point okay and you know out of those 800 some of them just sign up once and never used it but i'm going to segment i'm going to make sure that you know the 100 active monthly active users i have i run you know i want to know I want to run it through intercom so that I know who's who, right? And if yeah. I'm getting <laughs> what what I'm going to try to do is combine this with um, the product market fit engine that Rahul Vora of Superhuman yeah. talks about, which is ideally I want to double down on what my power users like the most, and I want to add what my inactive users say they need the most. So, what's most important to my inactive users? Can I can I deliver that uh, from a from a roadmap standpoint to get them active, and then on my active user side, what's most important? It'd be really nice if those things were the premium offerings, right? If they say, mm. "Man, I re- we're already an active user, but man, this would be the most important thing to have." Mm. That would sounds like a premium feature, and so if I can if I can bring all this together, I think it gives me a lot more confidence that my conversion rates are going to be. My engagement rates and my conversion rates will be better than if I don't do this analysis. So it, it, it just feels like a great way to supercharge these uh, insights. So you're saying that you want to move everyone one step up the ladder so all your active customers become paying customers and all your inactive customers become active customers. That's the idea. Yeah. I mean, if you why haven't you done that before now? <laughs> <laughs> why haven't I done it yet? I mean, you need to so have obvious. To, it's so obvious. I know, I know. But that's the idea is like, I'm going to add another step in my funnel, which is, yeah. which is buy now or pay yeah. now. I need to know I'll, what's going to get people to go to that step. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I really I need, like your thoughts around this, actually. I think yeah. it makes a ton of sense. Yeah, and then I need to know, once somebody gets to that step, what numbers and sets of features are going to cause somebody to go to the next step, which is, I am now a happy paying customer. And I just like to get that <laughs> as right as possible you know, yeah. when, I, when I first launch it, as opposed to totally winging it, which you, you learn, but it, you learn a lot slower. So I think, um, I don't think it's going to take that long to put together. I signed up for survey. Uh, I signed up for a couple surveying tools, um, wasn't blown away by any of them, but ended up finding one. If it works out well, I'll definitely recommend it here. But, um, but that I, works I, with intercom or uh, outside yeah, of intercom? Well, it's a tricky, it's a tricky Venn diagram here. So it's got to work. Ideally works with intercom. It also contains the max diff analysis and, Oh, okay. Yeah. And you know, the Van Westendorp, uh, max diff and, and Van Westendorp are considered, you know, premium advanced offerings right so all the survey tools want you to get the most expensive tier and sometimes it's behind a contact us form and i'm like guys i just want to run one i just want a one-time survey so yeah so i actually uh got patrick campbell's advice on this and he he recommended what he would use um and so i'm trying that out first and again if it goes well let everybody know and uh, i also got his and, and here's my little Patrick, if you're listening, <laughs> but he, he said he would help me with the, he would look at the surveys before I send them. Um, and he'd also nice. give me his, yeah, he'd give me a cheat sheet on the analysis as well. So I, um, I like to, I like to find my domain experts on things and say, you know, <laughs> oh, well, a, he's I've, definitely I've, one of them. I've got a Patrick Campbell bullet and I can fire <laughs> it. I can fire it at one thing a year, you know, <laughs> this is, <laughs> is going to be my fire him at this an hour of his time looking at this stuff is going to be 
you know, fantastic high leverage activity. So that's my, that's my uh, awesome. Yeah. That's my plan. Yeah. Um, and then I've got a, I mean, this is not the end. I, a little few more things. I, I do want to send out my investor update. You've definitely added extra, um, peer pressure to that one. So thank you. <laughs> and then, um, Q2 goals is a part of that. And then, uh, just a couple follow-up things from last week. The last one that's a little bit larger is, um, the data scientist I've been working with, his name's Christoph. So I can start using his first name instead of saying the data scientist. So, <laughs> um, Christoph has been doing some really cool stuff, improving, um, in dev, right? Not, not live yet, but improving the way that the trend casting is done. And there's some new end user interest in those trends, um, as far as an API is concerned. And he's also just developed some ideas and ways that we can just, you know, my hypothesis that a real, you know, very experienced data scientist spending real time on this thing would have a outsized effect on the quality ended up being true. (laughs) So um, it wasn't that I was completely misappropriating anything. It was just, if we change these parameters and we do this and we do that, you know, we can dramatically improve the quality um, and so I'm like, perfect. So he, he's effectively shaped up what he thinks we should deliver and what I should work on and what he should work on over the next few weeks. And I'm going to talk to him today about that and make sure that everything, you know, is, is in line and in scope with what we've already agreed to. And that should, that should be something I deliver. We deliver in April for sure. So I'm excited. Nice. When you say trend casting, is that forecasting on a on the trends that you generate or yeah that's the purely statistical modeling that gets done on the metrics that you feed in from profitwell chart mogul bear metrics okay or you know plaid in this case yeah so anything that's not simulator driven it's just the machine learning based statistical models that's what he's been focused on and um gotcha yeah i mean there's you know the it's an iceberg Uh, getting this stuff right getting the last 20% or 30% on these things is always actually kind of like it that it's tricky because it means that, you know, the next person has to figure this all out <laughs> as well. But there's these little gotchas around, you know, what happens when a startup pivots, right? Or what happens when a startup uh, goes to market and suddenly all their metrics change, right? And they change, yeah. they, they, they basically have an inflection point. Um, mm. You've got to recalibrate the forecast right and you've got to recalibrate it around the time that they changed their pricing model or they added a sales team or you know they did something internally that really changed their business and not just the velocity but also the you know the curvature if you will of their trends are changing and you know some of those are related like hey if we if we go freemium guess what's going to happen our conversion rate's going to tank right well that conversion rate didn't tank because your product got a lot worse. It tanked because you went freemium, right? And so you need to understand just a little bit more about their business and business model to get those forecasts correct from a statistical basis because pure statistics is not going to understand why the conversion rate went from 10% to 0.5% in one month. No, that sounds like a (laughs) difficult problem to solve. Yeah, it is, but you know, very valuable if we can solve it so yeah I, i'm really excited that he's been focused on that and we're going to meet up today for yeah for a little um kind of pre-development planning 
and ba- basically going into a development sprint having done the nice work yeah yeah so that's cool and um excited yeah about cool that. stuff yeah man so that's my week oh maybe we should just keep this shorter than our usual hour of rambling no shortage of stuff to execute on we're at the validated i'm at the validated roadmap stage so i've got work to do for sure i don't remember the last time we did less than 40 minutes yeah yeah that's interesting well um (laughs) thanks to our listeners for uh been getting some good feedback lately and it's been yeah thanks for the fan mail yeah (laughs) yeah that's been really encouraging so i'm glad we can keep (laughs) folks entertained um while sheltering yeah and uh, yeah yeah cool for sure like that's awesome and it's really weird when you get nice emails like that yeah yeah but much appreciated and if folks if folks want to tell us why they like something that's always nice too. i I love knowing that people like it it's always fun to know why they like it compared to other things they listen to or whatever so um, i guess yeah definitely soliciting more feedback but um yeah it is yeah and please if you write us a message tell us what you're working on yeah, yeah, definitely. And questions and all that. So this podcast awesome, man. is growing up. Yeah. It is. <laughs> all right. Forty four episodes 44. in. Yeah. <laughs> Most exciting. Talk to you later, man. All right, Peter. Take care. Enjoy your week. Bye. Bye.